Hey, y'all, you're listening to the Join the Journey podcast with your host, Emma Dodder. To learn more about today's reading or to read along with us, check out jointhejourney.com. Thanks for joining. I am in the podcast studio with today's Devo writer, Carrie Beckner. Hey, Emma. Thanks for having me. You're so welcome. I'm glad you're here. I was looking at your bio on your Devo, jointhejourney.com. <laughs> if you don't know, that's where you can find it. And you said that Carrie is not your legal name. What is your actual name? Yeah. So I do go by Carrie. I introduce myself as Carrie. Everyone knows me that way. Um, that's actually a nickname. It's not legal anywhere. So my real name is Zachariah. Zachariah. Mm-hmm. So, What's the story? So my parents decided they would name me Zachariah without knowing whether or not I was going to be a boy or a girl because they just love the name. It's from the Bible. There was a show in the 70s that they loved the name. And uh, so we went with it. And when we started tell they when they started telling the rest of my family that they were going to name me Zachariah, they got a lot of negative feedback. <laughs> I um, can imagine they did. They did. And so I also have the nickname of Carrie, which is a family name. It goes back several generations. But I didn't actually know that my name was Zachariah because everybody called me Carrie, including my parents, um, until I got registered for the first grade. And my teacher was asking me, what did I want to be called, Zach or Zachariah? And I was like, who are you talking about? Yeah, you're like, what? <laughs> I, I'm Carrie. Yeah. So I actually went by Zach because I was like, that's cool, from first through 12th grades. But when I went back to college, I was like, this story that I have to tell every time I tell my name is yeah. hard. So we'll just go by Carrie. Carrie. Yeah. And you're Carrie. So there we are. And Carrie, how long have you been at Watermark and where do you serve? Um, I have been at Watermark since 2012, and I guess that's around 10 years. And yeah, um, I serve with Gather, so that's the single adults ministry, and we meet on Wednesday nights. And there's a sermon, and then we get into small groups, and we do discussion about the scripture that we're reading, and then the sermon, and really get to know each other. So leading those discussions, and then just having a lot of fun on the weekends, pickleball, bowling, oh, yeah. that stuff. So it's a fun place to serve. I love it. How has how has Gather been a blessing to you? I think the biggest blessing that Gather has given to me is really getting to be around a mixed group of Christians and Christ followers. What's really cool about Gather is that it's a ministry open to all single adults in Dallas. You don't have to be a member, right? Yeah. So we get a lot of folks from other churches as well. Um, and so— Everybody that shows up, whether they're from another church or from Watermark, is really into um, spurring one another on towards love and good deeds and really helping each other understand the Scripture. So it's fun to sit there and be a facilitator, but then be preached to by somebody else in the group (laughs) because they're just so passionate about the Word. So that's been a huge blessing. I love it. Well, you're going to get to teach us from 1 Peter 1. And so— I think we wanted to talk about hope, right? Verse 3. You want to start there? Yeah, let me read it. Um, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. According to His great mercy, He has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead, to an inheritance that is imperishable, undefiled, and unfading, kept in heaven for you. So, And there's more. Um, But Living hope was something that was really important to me to hear. Um, I think there are at least two meanings of hope, right? So there's the hope that's 
something that I wish would happen. Um, it's something that I would like to happen. So I'm hoping for that. Oh, oh, I hope so. Yeah, cross my fingers. Yeah, yeah. Like, I wish that works out. Yeah. Um, but the way this is worded here around a living hope, there's this assurance there. There's this like, I, I am hoping for something that I know is going to happen. And I'm excited. There's like this excitement and anticipation kind of meaning to hope about something that you know is going to happen. So I love that. And and hope comes up a couple other times um, just in this first chapter. The other is in uh, verse 13. It says, set your hope fully on the grace that will be brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. So both of those are really just pointing out like the certainty of the hope that you have. So strong. Why uh, Why this chapter? Why were you excited to write about First Peter? First Peter 1. Yeah. So... Um, I love First Peter, um, especially chapter one, because it is very encouraging. Um, the first part of First Peter is really um, reemphasizing the assurance that you have in your salvation and your faith, um, and what that means for people that have faith in Jesus. And the second part is, you know, what we do in response to that, and. I like First uh, Peter a little better than some of Paul's writings because they can get a little <laughs> more heavy-handed on the what you do in response to that. But this first part of First Peter, especially, is just super encouraging. Um, the story that you know I came to Watermark with was having gone to church and being baptized and accepting Christ as my Savior as a child, and I was knowledgeable to the point of whatever was being told to me on Sundays. Um, and when I came to Watermark, they started talking about all these things that you should do, like read your Bible and pray and live life with believers and process decisions, you know, in light of biblical truth. And that was new to me. And I was looking at all these people thinking like, oh, I must not be saved yet because I'm still struggling with a lot of sin and because I'm not doing these things. And so I started to try to pray a prayer of salvation like every day. Mm. Like maybe today, maybe today. Oh, I didn't have that like heart gurgling feeling. So it must not be today. Um, and then some sweet, sweet people came around me and just really reminded me of the truth of our salvation and the assurance that we have in what Jesus has done and not any works that I could do. And just really clarified that for me and the way that Peter encourages believers in their faith and that hope that we said earlier is it's an it's a sure thing for you um, really solidified that for me. So it was an assurance and an encouragement to me. That's so good. What do you think are things or circumstances that might cause a Christian to doubt their salvation? What takes you to that mental place? Yeah, I think— um, struggling in general, like with sin, right? Mm -hmm. Like, man, there's this thing that is happening to me or by me, and because I can't stop or because I still crave, what was the word that we used in Gather recently? Appetites. So there's things that we still crave and we still want, we still desire that are not God-honoring. And so I think if 
processed the wrong way, which is usually like by ourselves, without biblical counsel and without prayer, then we can go into this spiral and this thought pattern of like, I'm not good enough, and I must not be godly enough, and I must not really be saved if I'm still struggling with these human things. Oh, yeah. There's honestly, I'm so glad you're you're sharing about this because you're not alone. I think this is a really common ditch for believers to fall into. Uh, When it comes to performance, I mean, exactly everything you just described. I thought I'd be over this sin by now. Maybe I'm not saved. Or circumstances, like we see in this this chapter, the trials. And two places I always like to tur- turn in the assurance of salvation conversation, uh, John 5, 24, where Jesus says, Very truly, I tell you, whoever hears my word and believes in him who sent me has eternal life and will not be judged, but is crossed over from death to life. So just that reminder, hey, if you've heard the gospel mm-hmm. and if you believe, that's it. Mm-hmm. Those things, those mistakes you've made or how you respond to your circumstances won't be held against you. And then First John 5, 11 through 13, which is really interesting. He writes, and this is the testimony God has given eternal life, and this life is in his Son. Whoever has the Son has life. Whoever does not have the Son of God does not have life. But then verse 13, he says, I write these things to you who believe in the name of the Son of God that you may know that you have eternal life. And verse 13 is really encouraging because it's helping me remember that I'm not alone in that feeling that you just described, that you may know. There's been other people throughout the history of the church who've wrestled with this. And we can come back to these passages, 1 John 5, John 5, 24, 1 Peter 1, as a reminder and anchor. Mm-hmm. We can cling to them. Yeah, absolutely. Carrie, I wish we could keep talking. This has been fun. Yeah. Thank you Thank for you being. so much. Oh, for you're welcome. Me. Thank you for coming on. And I am so glad we're all on this journey together. Thanks for listening. Did you know you can help support Join the Journey by rating and reviewing this podcast? Leaving a review helps others more easily find the podcast and read along with us. So we'd love your help.